to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. As most of you know, I have a real passion around the need for us uh, to develop leadership and management skills. I I believe that too often, uh, business leaders and business owners um, get into positions because of their knowledge of the industry, because of the knowledge of the department or the specific skill sets that are required in an area of their business, but don't necessarily have the right skills to lead and to manage people effectively and properly. And I believe this is one of the greatest disservices we can do to our business and to the people around us. Because if you run a marketing department in in a Fortune 500 company, uh, is it important that you understand marketing? Yeah. Is it important that you attend a conference or two every year about the latest trends in marketing? Sure, absolutely. But it's also important that you understand how to lead the 10 people that are your direct reports. It's understand. It's important that you understand how to manage those that are around you, to motivate them, to, to deal with conflict that's what's in your team, to create a healthy work environment for those around you. You owe it to them. It is absolutely your responsibility. And other people on your team can understand the latest trends in marketing, but only you can effectively lead that team. The same holds true for a small business owner. It's important for you to understand your industry. It's important for you to understand what's happening in your industry. But it is so incredibly important that you understand the skills, the art, the craft of leadership and management. You owe it to those around you because you've taken on a tremendous responsibility when you make the decision to hire employees and to lead people in your business. Today, we're going to break down so much of this. I just had an amazing conversation with our guest, Charmaine Hammond, who is an industry-leading expert on conflict management and team building. And admittedly, we could talk for hours because it's just something that I, I really kind of geek out about because it's so important, and I believe we often miss the mark on this. So uh, there's so many just great nuggets of knowledge that are dropped in today's conversation that Charmaine is able to share. And I, and I really hope that you take these things and dissect them and figure out where are my strengths and the things that we talk about? And more importantly, where am I weak in these areas and what can I do to invest in myself to allow me to better invest in my team and the people around me, which ultimately is a huge investment in my business. And I believe that the ROI in investing in your leadership and management skills far outweighs anything you could ever put into it. I believe that that the return that you get is sometimes not something you're ever going to identify directly on your P&L, but will will launch you leaps and bounds over your competition when you can create a healthy workplace culture and that comes through proper leadership. Hope you enjoy today's episode. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to the show and any feedback that you have, I would love to hear it. You can reach out to us at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Have a great day. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. Uh, we have Charmaine Hammond with us today, and uh, Charmaine um, has had years and years of experience and and really built uh, an expertise and a niche in uh, understanding the 
people issues in the workplace um, from crucial conversations and conflict management and uh, just being able to um, to help kind of tie these things together. As we know, as, as business owners and as entrepreneurs, um, these sometimes are the biggest challenges that we deal with because we go into business typically because of the expertise and knowledge in our field. But, um, you know, if we want to scale, if we want to grow, we've got to have great people around us. And, uh, and sometimes those great people can kind of cause other challenges that we just aren't accustomed to. So being able to leverage and lean on experts like Charmaine really uh, help us understand how to navigate those waters when, when it comes up. So Charmaine, thank you so much for joining us. And um, uh, as we get started, why don't you just kind of tell us about your, your career, your path, your journey, and how you got to where you are now? Certainly. Well, thanks so much, Kyle, for having me on. And this is a conversation I love having because I see so many organizations, businesses, and companies that struggle with the people issues. And just a little bit about my background. My first career was actually in jail. I started my professional career as a correctional officer. So you can imagine the the situations I dealt with and uh, the the learning curve as a young uh, 19-year-old going into (laughs) her first career. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, what what I really learned, though, in that... um, that work experience was that there was a lot of growing I needed to do around managing conflict and dealing with difficult Mm -hmm. conversations. Then when I left the correctional system, I was actually in a leadership role, Mm -hmm. uh, probably far too unprepared for that. Like many (laughs) of us, we've (laughs) we've Mm -hmm. been promoted a little earlier than perhaps we were ready. So again, this whole set of learning curves around managing and working with people. And then I went back to school and got a master's degree in conflict analysis and management, which was really uh, my interest area, helping facilitate conversations to help people bridge understanding and resolve the really tough stuff they were dealing with every day. And I had a very successful mediation practice and I started becoming called on more and more by companies, by government, by nonprofits to go in and teach the skills of conflict resolution and resilience building and how to effectively collaborate. And that's what I've been doing now. My business is 21 years old and, wow. and I've been working with companies of all different industries to help them manage the people issues they experience every day. Yeah. So if we were to uh, break this down, and I may be oversimplifying the question, but um, if we were to break this down into uh, you know one or two of the biggest obstacles that people face. I mean, I know we are, we, we all face the challenges, but, but right. what oftentimes are the roadblocks or obstacles that you see these business leaders facing and understanding how to even deal with the issues whenever they come up? Yeah. One of the, one of the interesting obstacles, and I, and I think it's not talked about enough is uh, it sort of goes back to my first promotion to leadership. I went from being on a team Mm-hmm. to then leading that team. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, anyone who's done that transition is feeling the pain right about now because we recall um, all of the loyalty challenges. When we go from having employee relationships and now having to supervise and lead that very same team, there are so many issues that crop up around trust and expectations and loyalty and and relationships change. And so sometimes that leader is dealing with grief and loss of the ending of a friendship that now, you know, really can't be managed in that new in that new role. That's one of the obstacles I see. And um, I've had the opportunity to actually work with some companies to help them transition those type of um, Mm. those leaders into their new role and work with the team. And that's, it's really powerful when it happens, but 
It's an obstacle I see all the time and not many companies really effectively dealing with it. So they end up with a whole bunch of other challenges. Yes. Well, I, I, and I love this because I, I think you're exactly right. Um, when, you know, one of the things that I coach is, is the, is the, the management development side of that and kind of the, the disciplines and principles um, that we need to provide to our team members. Yes. And that it's the same thing that you're saying here. One of the things that I really preach on is that, um, you know, companies continue to promote people and they find someone that's good in a craft, good in a skill, good in an industry, and they put them in these leadership roles. But management, I believe, is a craft in and of itself. And there are some people, we've experienced them in our, um, you know, in our lives at times. We have some people that are just great bosses and they don't necessarily know why. We don't know why, but they are just tremendous to work for. They know how to make things happen, um, but they may not necessarily be the best people uh, in in the industry. They may not have all the industry knowledge, but they're great to work for. And then you have others that are great in the field and they're great in the industry and they have all the understanding of the business, but just terrible, terrible people to work for. And yeah. and I wholeheartedly believe, Charmaine, that we as, as a workforce just do not invest properly into the management skills and the leadership skills um, of our workforce. And so we just expect people to either have it or not. And and oftentimes what happens as that trickles down is we bring someone in that doesn't have great leadership skills and then it gets blamed on the subordinates within the organization that things aren't getting done. Yes. Oh, I see that all the time. I, You've raised a really important aspect about the investing in people because there seems to be um, sometimes I think it's an unwritten belief or unwritten expectation that if you've worked at a company for X number of years, it would just be logical that you transition into a leadership team. But, but no, A, not everybody wants that. So a lot right. of people are working in a role that they actually don't want. They loved what they were doing before for a promotion, then they've not been properly transitioned and trained to be successful and everybody pays for it. And the other piece you mentioned, Kyle, that I think is really, really important for us to put an exclamation mark on it when we talk about investing in people is that a lot of times people are promoted because of their technical ability. So, right you know, that skill set. But that doesn't mean that every person with strong technical skills in a certain area also comes as a package deal with effective communication skills and yes. and stellar conflict resolution skills. Those packages are really tough to find. So it's really important when we have a leader who is skilled technically, experienced mm -hmm. in their industry, we also support their success by training them on leadership conflict resolution, stress management, resilience, collaboration, all of those things that get in the way that become hurdles for their success and ultimately the team's success. Yeah, I, I, uh, that very well said. And I think it's such a critical thing that, that our businesses have to pay attention to and have to understand, um, you know, because we do. And, and the reality is we are not, um, we're not doing, not only are we not doing the, the company uh, any favors, but we are really hurting the the individuals. And of course, I, I really like to take a very um, people-centered approach in, in, in this concept and the management piece of it. And we're, we're hurting the leader because we're putting them in a place that they aren't comfortable with yeah. and know the skill sets for, which means ultimately they could end up getting migrated out of the organization. And we're hurting the people that report to them because they don't have the support, the resources, the tools, the direction that they need to be successful in their job. And so we are really negatively impacting the people, which obviously is going to yes. negatively impact the business as well. 
Absolutely. You know, I, as you were talking, I was taken back to a, a, some work I did with a government department many years ago, but it just stands out in my mind as one of the examples that pulls everything that we're talking about today together. And we, I was doing some work with that, comp, that organization around conflict management and team building, and we decided, they decided they wanted to look at what really was the cost of unresolved conflict in their mm. workplace. Nice. And so we, we actually found a costing tool that was that allowed us to put some mathematical formulas around mm. things like wasted time, you know, mm. the impact financially of gossip or the right. impact financially on stress. And quite honestly, that, that department, as we started going through the process, became, became quite shocked, as you can imagine, at mm. these dollar figures of yeah. how everyday issues were impacting them on a financial level. And that doesn't even speak to the reputation, to the wellness of people. So what you're talking about is so, so important. And I think companies that take that time and put that investment into their employees and into training leadership, the the ripple effect they see will be far further reaching than just their team and their company, because it it gets out to how they're perceived as a business in the community Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, you know, by their external stakeholders and all of that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. I actually um, was working with a coaching client um, just the other day and we were talking through some of this because they were, they've really done a great job of shifting their company culture to much more people centered. And, mm-hmm. um, and in doing that, what they, uh, then the challenge they're having now is a lot of the directors that are investing and pouring into people are getting frustrated because they've spent all this time investing in them and then they, they leave, they take another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now they've also seen now that they've seen their retention really just, uh, really shift and it's really improved retention turnover has decreased significantly and they have a lot of people that will leave and within just weeks want to come back. Um, But a lot of the directors are really internalizing that saying we're investing all this time into them and then they end up leaving. And, and my, you know, my kind of advice is we need to shift the mindset that we're not investing in people for the benefit of the company. We're investing in them for the benefit of them. And if, if that, actually helps them move forward, then so be it because now we're making a greater impact into our community and now we get to invest in someone else, which will help impact our business and the community. Um, But that, you know, that's the problem you want to deal with. That's the problem you want to deal with in the business is we're investing so well that now these people are so incredibly marketable that everybody wants (laughs) the people that are coming from our business. I mean, that's, that's a great problem to have if you can step away and understand that that's happening. Yes, you know, it's really what you're saying is it's really about helping uh, employees and to create this environment of having people grow with us mm-hmm. instead of growing, you know, somewhere else. And and sometimes that growth does mean that people move on. But it also, when, when we've really done our job as a company and invested in people, what we've done now is created a better place for that next person to work. So we've probably done things like put in systems to... Yeah help us be more effective. We've, we've trained the team to work more effectively together. So a new person stepping in can land there more easily. They can fit in more easily. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I, I, I love it. And I, I could not agree more. I think it's a great thing whenever companies realize the benefit of investing in people in their business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I know one of the things that you, um, that you help companies do is develop like a conflict management 
system, a process mm-hmm. around conflict management. And um, especially for small business owners, uh, I think that becomes a real challenge because the, there's no place for the problem to roll. We can't say, oh, well, exactly. this is a problem. Like we are HR. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the owner is all roles. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, we can't say this is an operations problem or a client problem or an HR problem. It's our problem. Yeah. And so, um, what what tips or advice do you give to people when they're trying to figure out how to um, um, deal with conflict in the organization? Because I think what we generally find is uh, the way we deal with it is ignoring it. And yep. obviously, that's not the healthy way to do it. And so, what what tips or advice do you give to people to actually tackle this head on and and handle these this, this personnel conflict in the business? Yeah. One of the things that I've seen small businesses do effectively, because you're exactly right, Kyle, just because somebody owns a business doesn't mean they're a a skilled conflict resolution resolver. You know, they may be this person that fears conflict, dislikes it and avoids it, or quite frankly, doesn't have the time or can't make the time to to invest into these situations. A couple things I've seen small businesses do that I think is really powerful is I've seen some of our clients, when they find that person in their organization, because there usually is someone in the company that people gravitate to. So when they're unhappy, it's that first person they go. That's a great example of where a small company could invest some time and training into that particular person because they're trusted, they're respected, they're seen as a neutral confidant. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that we can do is set up policies. And I'm not talking about the policy that most of us have that says, if you have a problem, (laughs) go talk to the person that involves. That's the obvious policy. But it goes, you know, if people don't know how to do that, they don't know where they should meet. What should they say? How do they bring the issue forward? What if the issue is about the business owner in the first place? What's that safety mechanism? Mm -hmm. So when companies can uh, do what I call building team charters, a team charter is where that team works together with the company owner to create that environment of how we work together better. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like how we put our policies into action in real life. That's really what it is because my experience has been, and I've facilitated hundreds of mediations with thousands of people. And mm-hmm. I've learned that while we have great policies and sometimes collective agreements, if we're unionized, mm-hmm. um, that is not what people refer to in their moment of conflict. Right. Right. <laughs> so it becomes this white training binder, white policy mm-hmm. binder on the shelf. So that's one thing that I think can be really important. The other piece, uh, Kyle, that I was just introduced recently, and I thought it was a great opportunity for small businesses that don't have an HR shop. The Mm -hmm. owner is everyone. The owner is all roles. Mm -hmm. Is I've seen several small businesses, and the example I'm referring to, it was four small businesses that partnered together to hire an HR consultant. Oh, great idea. Yeah. So what was interesting, now you can imagine there's lots of fear and, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know these other companies and how do we maintain privacy? And what they basically created was a four-way agreement between the four businesses and then with this consultant, each of them contributed a certain amount of money mm-hmm. um, and this basically put money in the pot for them to access the services immediately when they yeah. needed them. Some needed recruitment support. They needed people to help with interviews. Some needed, you know, employee 
relations issues or a mediation or conflict. But this consultant served all four companies very confidentially, Mm -hmm. but it allowed them to spend a little bit of money, but to access the HR support, qualified HR support as they needed it. And what a great example of collaboration. Yeah, that is a great idea. You know, as small business owners often realize at some point they can't do these things alone. And um, the quicker they realize, I think the better. But that's, that is a great way for business to be able to pull in because really no matter market size, you can find other businesses that are of similar size that have, and let me tell you, if you think you're the only one dealing with this, you're not. Every business is dealing with the same. And, and the good news is, and, and I'm sure you can speak to this better than most. It's not just a small business with three employees. They have conflict, and so does the company with 3,000 employees. Um, we all have the same issues. It's just on a different scale. So being able Absolutely. to leverage those resources, that's, that's a great idea. That's great advice um, for people out there to, to take into consideration. Find someone in your market or even outside your market that can help with uh, that type of work. Um, you know, the other piece I'm going to add to that, Kyle, you just flagged a thought for me. One of the things that happens, I think, with small business owners uh, is that they feel like they've got to go at this on their own. And there's such a, a reluctance for business owners to sort of share their pain with other business owners because they don't want to seem like their business is tanking or something's going sideways. Right. And I think there's huge value to small businesses Um, creating what I call a leadership cohort where two or three or four of them come together and they sign confidentiality agreements, but they are each other's support. So what that could look like in action is if I as a small business was dealing with some employee relation issues or maybe some reputation management issues, or I've got a big conflict that I want to make sure doesn't go to court and cost Mm -hmm. a lot of money. I could reach out to these three other businesses that in the leadership cohort and say, you know, have you ever dealt with something like this? Or what should I say? How do I set this up for success? Because chances are, out of four businesses, you've all dealt with pretty much everything successfully and maybe not. (laughs) But the support that can happen is really powerful. And again, you've got to set it up for success address things like confidentialities, but it can take that loneliness loneliness for small businesses. And in big companies, this is something I've also done. A lot of big companies, the leaders work uh, in silos and independently and don't even access the supports they have readily available to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this can apply to businesses of all sizes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's excellent advice as well. There's so much value we can get just in uh, in having people that we can go to and address these things and say, "How yes. did you deal with it? What advice do you give on trying to deal with it next time?" Um, yeah. Learn learn from people's mistakes. Um, when you, when you're dealing with a situation like this, and again, trying to think maybe in terms of a of a smaller business, um, or you know, maybe we even kind of classify mid sized company, meaning the owner isn't. Um, directly involved day to day with every single employee. Mm-hmm. When, how can uh, how can an HR person or how can a, a company owner um, identify where some of these issues are coming from? So you know, uh, sometimes we start to feel like a funk, and and uh, that they they're sensing that something's wrong in the organization. There's something yeah. happening. We're not really sure what it is or why it is. We just know things don't feel right. What advice might you be able to give in, in helping identify um, where the issues are, where there might be some conflict in the organization that we know we yeah. need to address? 
Yes, great question. And I think a lot of times we get so busy in business that we forget about this. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's this um, pile of stuff under the carpet that then becomes almost too difficult to deal with. One of the, one of the uh, actions that I've done that's worked really well with companies, uh, small companies, medium-sized companies, mm-hmm. is to have them uh, devote time in a staff meeting or a team meeting. And I think team meetings are really important. Uh, and yeah. even with the aids of technology, we have to find times to bring people together, whether that be virtually or in the same room. And it needs to be consistent and it needs to be one of the biggest priorities. Often team meetings get bumped for other things. And then what does that say about our team? So we can just start off by actually devoting 10 or 15 minutes to do a round table every team meeting. You know, the question could be something like, what's going on? I love the review and learn process myself, which is four simple questions. You know, over the past two weeks since we met, what's been going well? Mm-hmm. What challenges have you bumped up against? Mm-hmm. What will we do differently in the next two weeks and what do we learn? And this will often bring up in a very, very comfortable, safe, or safe way the, the irritations or the, the things that people are bumping into in their workplace. And then devote a little bit of time in the team meeting to figure out what will we do with this issue. Can we bring this forward next time? Maybe I need as a leader to have a couple of one-to-one conversations. Mm -hmm. So it allows that, it it actually creates a culture where people start to feel safe to bring issues up. And it doesn't have to be all full of drama. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to have been put on the back burner for six months and people bring it up when it's explosive. What we want is people bringing it up as it arises before it sort of catches, um, you know, more drama to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know that that can be a difficult thing in, in kind of um, uh, creating an environment and a culture of transparency. Yeah. So you know, as we start putting these meetings together, when 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 we feel that there isn't that authenticity or that transparency happening, um, what thoughts do you have mm-hmm. on trying to develop that in the organization where it becomes a common thing? Because it's so incredibly healthy when we can do it, but especially if we haven't done it in 30 years we've been in business, what do we do to try to help develop that that culture of transparency and authenticity? That's a great question. One of the things that I've seen uh, companies do, small, medium, and large companies do to create that, I mean, first of all, is that we have to, this is a repeated action. It isn't Uh something that we just do once. Um, The other thing that we have to do is ask really good questions. Mm. So for example, I will see a lot at team meetings where a business owner might say, how's everything going? And some people will nod their heads. Some will look at their neighbor and do the eyeball roll. You know, some will (laughs) um, make a sarcastic comment, like how much time do you have? So all these reactions. And then often what happens in that very moment is discomfort surfaces for Mm -hmm. the leader. All eyes are on the leader. And there's a great opportunity to say something like, tell me more about that. Or, wow, that's news to me. Let's, let's talk about this. So there's an, an immediate discomfort that happens for the leader. And then they go back to business. They pull out that agenda that feels really safe and they start to deal with what appears safe. Mm-hmm. And you can get, you know, leaders don't have to do this alone. You've got very skilled people in your workplace sitting around that table with you. Um, that could become a support. So you can invite people to have that conversation. The other thing that happens though, is that transparency um, 
get challenged a lot in meetings. And so what we see is what I call the meeting after the meeting. Mm-hmm. At the meeting, everyone agrees. Yep, here's our go forward plan. We're all on board. And then after yeah. the meeting, boardroom door closes, people disperse, three in this office, two in this office, some people huddling at the coffee mm-hmm. room, and they're complaining about what they agreed to. And I had this happen in one of my first leadership jobs, and I was quite taken aback from it because the whole team expressed a commitment to a new direction that we were taking. They were excited. And then all of a sudden, I can't find anyone in my team because they're all in these private meetings. And I called them back. I actually called everybody back into the meeting. I was terrified, by the way, because I had no idea what I was going to do. But I thought, I've got to address this because... This is very dangerous what just happened in terms of eroding our team. And it was the most uncomfortable conversation I've ever had in my entire life. But it was the most important. Mm -hmm. And it allows me to get to things like, why did you all agree when you actually didn't? And what became that sort of um, pivotal for me was that I learned that sometimes when we make agreements and big change happens... We have to get kind of commitment, but we actually have to go back to the issue next week that when people have thought about it and have all the bumps that are going to be experienced with this new change start to become clear to people. And then we go back to that. And I missed that. I just kind of took the commitment as, yay, we're good to go. And as soon as people started talking to each other, all these problems surfaced Mm -hmm. and I hadn't really given thought to that we needed to have that conversation. So that was more than 20 years ago that that happened. (laughs) And that example still guides me. So that's something that leaders can do when you get a commitment from people, bring it up on your next meeting or go and meet with people individually to to double check that commitment and address any little concerns that come up then. Because the little concerns when you bring the team together become Mm -hmm. big concerns because people pick the side of the fence they yeah. want to want to be on and then it becomes sort of like this collective energy yeah yeah that's that's great advice uh you know as especially uh people with a very entrepreneurial kind of visionary mind uh sometimes we can be kind of irrational optimists and um and so we we have this idea and we think, oh, this is going to be great and wonderful. And we have a way to get people behind it. And they can sit in a meeting and say, yep, it's great and wonderful. And we all agree because the, the, the excitement around it. Um, but then after they leave and they realize, oh gosh, that's going to be a lot of work. And I don't know if I have time to do that. And what about this other project we were already working on? So, and I, so I agree completely. I think, um, uh, one of the things we've got to do is, especially as we implement and roll out a new initiative or we have kind of a new idea or concept that comes up, is constantly revisit that. You know, as entrepreneurs, oftentimes we may have already thought through challenges, but we didn't tell them these are the challenges you're going to have and this is how we're going to overcome right. it. Or because of that irrational optimism, we may have not even realized, oh, well, I didn't I didn't realize this how this was going to impact HR. I didn't realize how this was going to impact operations. Um, I didn't realize how this was going to impact you know you as an individual person and your role in the company. And so, um, yeah, being able to put those out every time we meet and say, okay, so are we still comfortable with this direction? Let's talk about whatever issues you've come up with, you've thought of, you've experienced already. Um, and that way, instead of just coming in and, and saying, hey, great excitement, we're starting in this new direction. Let's take some time 
to make sure this is really the right direction and it makes sense or we're not draining resources for something that's not going to um, to be able to to actually come to fruition over time. So yes. great, great advice brilliant. on that. Yeah. You know, Kyle, it, it, it makes me think that um, some uh, sometimes business owners um, just get busy or forget to communicate Oh, frequently yeah. and regularly. So one of the, one of the, this was again, one of those learning by the seat of my pants is in my early leadership roles. Uh, and we were, I was facilitating a process in the team where we were going through some change. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that people had a lot of fear, you know, the what ifs came up, what if, what if this, what if that? And I, I didn't actually deal with it as best I could. Many years later, I had a similar situation and I thought, wow, here's an opportunity to do something different. So what I did that really supported the transparency was that I let people know what wasn't changing. Yeah. Yeah. And see, so what we often do is we overwhelm people with this is going to change and we're going to be doing it this way now. And here's the new form. And what we can do is say, here's all the things that aren't changing. Mm. And, and yeah. you know, imagine how that just brings people's anxiety down. Okay, so there's still some familiarity here. Right, right. You know, and here's what is changing. And here's why I think this team's going to be able to handle this really well. Yeah. Because we have a skilled team of people who have worked together for many years. We have trust, you know. So when you can connect people back to the strengths in their team that are going to carry them through this change or tough time, you just reduce so much fear, which means you minimize gossip, mm-hmm. you minimize resistance, you minimize the conflicts you're going to have to sort out. So it's right. just, it's good. It's good stress management to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to over communicate, yeah. communicate regularly. And with these cascading messages. Mm-hmm. That's, that is a great idea. You know, I've never, I've never thought about taking it from that direction. That is um, excellent advice. And, you know, and again, kind of thinking about oftentimes your small and mid-sized business owners or people with a real entrepreneurial spirit, we, um, you know, we tend to think about these things and we've got these great ideas and we want to push an initiative. Um, but understanding most people on our team don't think that way, yep. nor do we want them to, because if they did, we'd have a lot of great ideas and nothing would ever get done. But <laughs> right. we, so we, we don't want everybody to think with that same mindset, but, um, you know, to, to help kind of appease and calm the people that enjoy the steadiness, that is a great, uh, great way of balancing out, okay, new initiative, new direction, new vision, new plans, but we're not going to lose sight. And I, and I think, you know, many owners can, can, uh, look back on times. I know I certainly can in times whenever we've done this and said, all right, new idea, new vision where we didn't want to lose sight, but because we kind of moved everybody somewhere else, next yeah. thing you know, you turn around and you, six months later and you say, wait a second, what do we don't want to forget about those clients? Let's not, we're still doing that. Yeah. We're just doing this other thing as well. And so I love that yeah. idea. It helps um, just kind of helps people understand. It's not that the whole the, the sky's not falling. We're not changing everything, yeah. but we are, uh, we're going to implement some new things. We're going to keep these because we're really great at it. And, um, that's a great way to help balance that out, especially for those that don't think in terms of the excitement of the new, but instead really enjoy the steady pace. Yes. Um, that's a, that's some great, great advice there. I really love that. And, you know, for any businesses that have employees that work from home a lot of the time, or if you have mobile offices or multiple locations, yeah. this becomes so important because uh, what happens is that um, when teams don't see each other every day in the office or the business or the shop, 
what happened is so there's already a feeling sometimes of disconnect. So when you as a leader can say, here's what's still going to happen. We're still going to have our team meetings, but now they're going to be on a platform like Zoom or Skype. Um, We're still going to have our coffee breaks. And maybe at 10 o'clock, that's a great time for you to pick up the phone and Mm -hmm. just have coffee with one of your colleagues who's also working from home. Yeah. So when you can help frame it for people, Mm -hmm. um, it it provides them with that structure and it also sets the, the, you know, the expectation that there's still things that have been in play that still need to continue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. And of course, you know, with technology, um, you know, technology these days, it's so simple to, to, um, even with our remote workforce, to give a small feel. And so uh, we need to leverage those to our advantage. And and I I really like the idea of having coffee with uh, people on your team, no matter where they are in the world, you know, whether they're on the other side of town because they're working from home that day or or whether they are legitimately on the other side of the world, there are ways to, um, you know, I conduct a lot of my business via Zoom and uh, just the nature of our, the, the way our business operates. And so for me, it's become very natural to have a meeting and actually get to know somebody over that. It's a little uncomfortable at first, but it, it you know, give people the encouragement. It does get easier with time where you truly can feel like you're sitting in a room having a conversation with somebody. And, um, you, you know, and there's, and let me add this too, because I think there's a lot of value in the video piece to that, as opposed to just, yes. let's just jump on a call. I um, so agree. There's, there's just something different about building a relationship when you're face to face and you can see the nonverbals, you can get that interaction. And, uh, and so those tools are available. We need to leverage those, um, because it's so much better than just jumping on a phone call with someone where you really don't get that immediate feedback where you can sense that someone's uncomfortable with the direction or you can sense that there's some anxiety or uncertainty or you can sense there's an excitement around something that, okay, we need to try to dive into this more. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a whole lot of value to that that we need to recognize and uncover. True. You know, that learning came to me, actually, I can't even take credit for that idea. That came from uh, one of the companies I was working with. They were going to um, more of a remote team. So more people were going to be working at home half time. And and there was fear around how would their relationships change and what about trust. And it was one of the employees, they had implemented this and they were doing team meetings. I can't, I think they were actually teleconference calls. So you couldn't Mm -hmm. see people, which is where the need for this kind of a platform came up. Mm-hmm. But one of the employees said something that just, it sort of blasted my mind. And she said, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do coffee break with you guys. I'm going to phone you or we're going to hop on Skype or we're going to do something because she said, what I am doing now when I'm working is uh, my 15 minute break has become the time to throw the laundry in or the time to put the roast to the crock pot. And she said, I would never, when I was working at the office, whipped home done laundry in 15 minutes and come back. And she said, I've created now an amount of stress and role confusion Yeah, because I'm now multitasking in a way that I wasn't when I came to the office. And I thought, wow, how brilliant for her to see that in herself and figure that out and how vulnerable to share that with her team. Mm -hmm. But, er you know, everybody was thinking about that. How do I manage home and work? And she said, I'm at work. 
Right. You know, and, and so she, work. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I just thought, wow, I'm, I'm going to borrow that because that was a juicy learning. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, that is, so it's interesting. I, one of the four principles that I teach on management is the sociability piece and how we have to encourage it. We have to embrace it. And as, and as leaders, we have to participate even in, uh, in the social, uh, fabric of our, of our company culture. And, um, and and that and that's what I really love about that idea because that's one of the big things you lose when people are working remotely is the social piece of that. And I mean, studies have even proven you know a five minute social interaction um, is actually healthier for productivity than a fifteen minute isolated break. And yes. so, getting that um, there's something that you miss when you're not there to be able to meet somebody at the uh, in the coffee room or at the water cooler or at their desk for a minute just to say, hey, how was your weekend? How are the kids? How are things going? Um, so being able to do just that in in a remote environment uh, to say, hey, I'm I'm going to take a quick break. Um, you know, you mind if I we catch up on Zoom real quick? Hey, how's it going? Just want to chat to really be able to build that depth of relationship is so incredibly healthy for your mm-hmm. overall company culture and for the productivity and and for retention um, yes. to be able to build those relationships. I love the idea of doing that when it's not we have an organized meeting at eleven o'clock to cover these three topics. Right. But it's just we just need to connect. We're just here to connect and catch up a little bit, um, but not just to do that at the end of a phone call. That's that's really mm-hmm. really great. I love that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so along the lines of this team building uh, piece of it, I know, you know that's one of the things you, you try to help people with as well uh, is developing kind of some team building models in their business and develop some cohesiveness. So um, I know that can, that can become kind of a pretty in-depth topic, but just high level, what are some thoughts that you have around uh, the team building process in a business? And um, especially if we recognize in a company that I mean, we just don't have that, we're very siloed, we're very isolated, Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. We need to find some real simple ways, just quick hits to yeah. kind of get people on the same page. What what ideas do you have that you might be able to suggest in that? Yeah, I think one of the one of the great things companies can do, it doesn't matter on the size of the company, is to do team building throughout the year. There's a tendency mm-hmm. to do de- team building when things have gone sideways. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a great opportunity to bring the team back together. It might fix things, but it doesn't necessarily build the team. So right. I'm a big supporter of team building through the year. And this doesn't mean just having a session where it feels like a rah, rah, right. you know, go team. Right. This might be team training. Team building can happen through training Mm -hmm. and giving people a really structured exercise to work on. It can happen through things like one of my clients did the coolest thing. They had zero budget, zero budget Mm -hmm. for training and team building, but they saw the need. So they reached out to their employee base Mm -hmm. and said, what we, we want to do team building every month and we have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Great transparency. What could we do? Well, that leader did not need to fear anything because within a day or two, that group of employees pulled together um, a whole list of things. So one of them got a con, uh, an agreement from their local gym who was brand new, wanted more business. Yeah. And the gym came over. It started out once a week. It turned into three times a week. At lunchtime, they were doing stair cleaning, uh, climbing, yeah. uh, yoga, uh, all kinds of things. So zero cost employees are healthier. Then there was a number of employees taking vacations. So somebody said, we should have travel club. 
So it turned out to be every month and it then became every other week that the employees would meet at lunchtime for half an hour. Somebody would show some slides and pictures and videos of Mm -hmm. their trip to Mexico (laughs) or wherever they went and they'd bring in a potluck lunch. Right. Again, no cost. But what was happening for this team was that relationships that were never forged before mm-hmm. started to develop in a social, as you said earlier, Kyle, that social element. Mm-hmm. People were learning about one another. The manager, the owners didn't need to manage this. The team self-managed right. it. And, it, you know, it was just incredible. And this led to, you know, uh, the other thing they did that I thought was brilliant was there became a requirement. Anytime an employee went to a conference, trade show, or training, mm-hmm. they would come back and do a half hour in service. That's great. For their team. Yeah. Yeah. So the team got the benefit of the training and then they started recording it. So then they had the video as little archives for training. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in that. I think if the company is going to invest in someone to attend those things, then let's go back and, and share that knowledge, at least some nuggets that we've picked up. Um, sure. Because, you know, we come back oftentimes with so much excitement and we get back and then it all just uh, just completely so, dissipates. So if we can yeah. share some of that and share some of that vision with people. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I want to mention this as well on that team building piece and those things you talked about, whether it's, you know, the workout or the travel or whatever it is in your organization, it, it can be whatever, um, whatever makes sense. But if you want to improve retention, start mm-hmm. with team building because yes. all of a sudden, um, people are no longer just working for themselves in their career. They're working for Joe next to him. They're working for Diane down the hall. And so whenever there's an issue or a problem, now all of a sudden it's a, it, it is a team issue. It's not your issue because it's your department. It's our issue because I care about you and I know the stress this is putting on you. And, and all of a sudden I've got another job offer somewhere else, but man, I'm going to miss those I'm going to miss that travel club or I'm going to miss that, yeah. that weekly workout or I'm going to miss that coffee hour. Um, there, there are intangibles in a business that people want more than just simply a job. And, and whenever, they, whenever they're finding fulfillment and they love the people they're working with, that can do so much more from retention than anything you as a leader, any new process, procedure, or plan that you could put in place. And so that is uh, absolutely one of the first places I recommend you start when you're working on retention. And again, what I call kind of that, that people-centered uh, focus, and that's a big piece of it is that social aspect and building the team and keeping people together. So um, those are well, some great yeah. ideas. I, I love that. And to your point, it doesn't take a lot of money. And in fact, I generally would not recommend don't take everybody to a big offsite retreat once a year yes. that everybody's going to get a bit hyped up and excited. And three weeks later, we're all mad at each other because something went wrong. Uh, well, and then people, harder. when things go south, everybody brings up how much money was spent on that retreat. It could exactly. have gone to us. It always bites yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So it, it needs to be yeah. part of the fabric of the organization. It needs to be part of who you are. And and the other thing that I, I would I would um encourage in that, and you really hit on this, is it needs to be authentic. It needs to be part of who we are as leaders. It needs to be part of who we are as a company. Um, because the more scripted it is, the more obvious it is to the team that, okay, this is just another exercise we have to go through because the owner's heard it's supposed to help with something. And then... Feels like the flavor of the month. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it this needs to be a very uh, kind of intentional focus um, that, that you're implementing as part of who the organization really is. So thank you. That That's that's uh, that's great advice. And I love just knowing and sharing. There are ways that you can do this that don't... It doesn't have to be a huge budget. It doesn't have to be any budget. Mm-hmm. It's just 
um, it's really encouraging. And one of the things that I add to that is that participation piece that as a leader in the organization, it's not that you are okay with others being social and building this team. You have to be a part of that. People need to know you as well. And so if mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, if it's a travel club, show up and talk to them about, you know, what you've got going on and be a part of those conversations. Obviously you want to draw the right lines, you know, in leadership, but they need to know who you are as well. And that, that helps uh, really kind of add some cohesiveness and draws the organization tight. And it helps put you on a more peer level where they recognize you're real and um, you've got the same issues, challenges and fun that we do. So. So true. Really good. Um, well, Charmaine, before we head out of here, how can we learn more about you and, and some of the things that you're doing that's helping companies out there? Thank you. Thank you for that. Probably the best two ways to find me are LinkedIn, Charmaine Hammond, or my website, CharmaineHammond.com. Good, good. And we'll have links to those as well uh, in the show notes in case you have any issues or questions with spelling. Um, Charmaine, gosh, thank you so much. I could sit here and talk about this stuff all day. I love it. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you for, for what you do and helping companies and helping people. And thank you for coming on and, and just sharing some of your knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Really a rich conversation today, Kyle. Thank you so much for your insights. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit employerblueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit kylegorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day.